You're listening to the Leadership Jam Session Podcast, the place where you'll get to hear leaders at all levels of management share their practical solutions to the management challenge you face every day. So let's give it a jam. I'm your host, Rob Fonte. Welcome back to the Leadership Jam Session. If you're listening for the first time, my name is Rob Fonte. I'm a leadership development consultant and coach with more than 20 years experience in leading teams. For more information about me or how you can subscribe to the show, please visit my website at leadershipjamsession.com. Now enough about me. Today's guest is Jordan Mendoza, who has over 25 years of sales and marketing experience, who currently runs a sales and leadership training for Gables Residential. Jordan is also a consultant and the host of the Blaze Your Own Trail podcast. Jordan, welcome to the Jam Session. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Rob. I really appreciate the opportunity. Really looking forward to sitting down with you today. I was on your podcast recently. We had a lot of fun. So are you ready to jam? I'm ready to jam. All right. So let's talk a little bit about your journey. And I know you have a lot of experience in in leadership and you run a lot of workshops in leadership. So what do you think, from your perspective, what do you think separates a great leader from the average one? Uh, I think there's a lot of things that separate great leaders from average ones. But um, the one thing that I've really uh, been noticing about leadership, and, and this really happened when I had and was managing one of the largest teams I ever managed, which was 17 people. And, you know, what I quickly realized is that it's not about me right? It's not about what can I get out of them. It was really about how do I help them grow? Because a leader's job, in my opinion, is really to work for their people to help their people get to that next level. Yeah, it's so true. So true. And, and so many leaders really fail to realize that, that it's not about them. It's really about their people. Yeah, your, your people are, are what make the world go around, right? And if you're investing in them and leading them in a capacity that enables them to grow, well, guess what? They're going to stick around because they know that you're there for them. They know that you're not, you know, they're not out to get you, right? You know, some leaders have the fear that these folks are going to take over them. And I tell them, listen, take my job. I, I would love it because I've done my job then if I've actually invested in you. Yeah. And, you know, just going back to what you said about 17 people, I mean, that's a lot of people to manage a lot of people, a lot of personality types. Right. And I remember, I remember the day that I got that role. I, and it was a, a a massive apartment community in Atlanta, right near Emory university. I was um, managing a smaller place and now I'm taking over this 558 units on 23 acres, five phases, 17 employees. And so when I walked in, you know, I had, I rounded everybody up for a meeting and I said, Hey, listen, I want to, want to get to know everybody. So, so tell me your name. And it was the most interesting thing, Rob, because everybody said, hi, my name is Umberto, but I go by Steve. And I was like, oh gosh. And literally almost every person had a name, but they had the name they go by. And I was like, how am I going to remember all these names? Like, how am I going to remember all this? So when it got to me, I said, hi, my name's Jordan. You can call me Bob. You know, it's just kind of as a joke, you know, because literally almost every person had a different name. But it was in that moment that I said, listen, I may be the community manager. I may be the one that runs the operation. And ultimately, everything that happens is my fault, whether we succeed or whether we fail. It's my fault. But I don't want any of you to think that I'm better than any one of you. The only difference that separates us is time, right, is is the time I've invested in this role to get to where I am. But however I can support you, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, that opening statement really set the tone for the relationship with that team because it could have went another way. It could have went, 
hey, I'm Jordan and I'm running the show now. And these are my rules. These are my regulations. And this is how you're going to, we're going to operate. Right. And so I think as a leader, you have to be tactful about your approach because we're dealing with human beings. Like these are people that have families, they have lives, they have stresses, they sit in traffic, they deal with all the same things that you do. And when you can really think about that and realize it from that perspective, that you're investing in human beings lives. To me, that makes all the difference. Yeah, that's so well said. I don't think people realize the impact that you as a leader have on your employees, more so even what they take home from work. That's exactly it. And I think that's important to understand that, that you do have, you, you make a, a huge impact on the lives of people, not only in the workplace, but in their home lives as well. I'm just curious, I mean, 70 people still to me is mind boggling. What were some of the challenges in trying to manage 17 people? I think the biggest challenges were, um, you know, I, I was running essentially two teams, right? Because when, when you're in property management, it's it's apartments so naturally you have an office team and then you have a service team right the service team they take care of all the work orders if the ac is down if there's a plumbing issue if there's a tree that falls down they handle all that and typically in most property management uh communities and this is you know all over the country Mm -hmm. the teams are very segregated Mm. right it's like office versus service you know it's like hey you put in a work order, but you didn't tell me which sink I was supposed to fix. And so I fixed their master and I got yelled at because I was supposed to be in the second bedroom. Right. And so the, this, there's this conflict and there's headbutting that happens between the office team and the service team. So what I tried to do is I tried to come in and there were no separate meetings. It wasn't the service team meets separately and I meet with them and then the off. No, we're the same team. Mm-hmm. And when you can really operate as a well-oiled machine and you can get everybody on the same page, results actually happen better. And when you get to air out grievances, right? Like my meetings were, hey, what are what are the biggest pain points of the week? What are you running into, right? And when you can do it from that context and everybody has a voice, it makes it a lot easier to get to get along. Yeah, so true. And, you know, this kind of gets to where I wanted to go to next because you mentioned it before about personalities. And it's difficult when you are trying to air out grievances and have an open dialogue because you're dealing with different personalities. And you use, uh, and I know you use this in in your workshops as well, the Myers-Briggs type indicator. And I'm certified to teach this, but Myers-Briggs is something that I haven't talked about on the show. And I was excited to bring you on because I think it is an important assessment. So maybe you can just share what Myers-Briggs type indicator is and yeah. why it's important. Yeah, yeah. so the, the MBTI or Myers-Briggs type indicator, it is it is the most widely used personality assessment in the world. It's actually translated in over 30 languages. It's used by the top colleges and universities around the world. The CIA uses it at Quantico to help train their field agents. Um, so it, it is a big deal. And because it's used so often, the data that they've been able to capture from it makes it the most valid assessment out there when it comes to psychological type. Now, what I want to say before we even get into it is you, right, the listeners, everyone that's listening, you're all way more than your type, 
type is just a small percentage of who you are as a human. So I always like to say that first, because you never want to pigeonhole somebody and say, man, because you're an introvert or you're an extrovert, you're this way, right? Like, no, we're, we're humans first. Type is just something. It's like our natural inborn tendencies. We all are wired differently. Right. And the one you can understand how you're wired. Right. And so the way that that types works is there are four different preference pairs. Right. And most people have heard extroversion and introversion. That's that's very common. And it's also so common that I can meet somebody and within maybe a five minute conversation, I can pretty much tell if they're extroverted or introverted. Right. That's a very surface level uh, preference pair. The next preference pairs are sensing and intuition. Okay, so these are opposite ways to take in information. The first ones were ways that we get our energy, right? Extroverts get their energy from the outer world, whereas introverts get their energy from the inner world, from the internal world. Okay, the next opposite is the ways that we decide and come to conclusions. So this would be thinking and feeling. Okay, and then the final is judging and perceiving. It's the opposite ways that we approach the outer world. People that are that prefer judging, they like more systematic approaches, schedules. They need to check off the box. Whereas perceiving types, they need more flexibility, spontaneity. Deadlines actually make them cringe, right? Having a deadline uh, because they're used to keeping things uh, open. And so those are those are the four. A pairs of opposites. And what happens is through the assessment, you know, once you self-validate, okay, so, you know, I teach an exercise that gives them context about each of the preference opposites so that people can determine which one is most like them. And again, we all do extroverted and introverted things. We all do sensing and intuitive things, but here's, here's the kicker. We don't do them with equal ease. And so when, when people take the assessment, you have to be in that, in a clear headspace. Like if you're, were pissed off 30 minutes before, don't take it right. Because you're not going to answer it properly. So you have to be in a very neutral and clear headspace. And you also have to think about it uh, very similar to this. Like if this were an end of the world situation, which, which route would I go? Right. And so that's the, that's another important uh, key when taking the assessment. That's a great overview. And you know, do you get any pushback sometimes there's people who are concerned about, you know, being labeled judging because sometimes that sure. comes off as a negative stigma when, when I'm sure yeah, it's no. not, right? No, yeah, yeah, no. Judge, judging actually doesn't mean to judge people, right? It's, that's not actually what it's all about. It's judging really, it's, it's all about, you know, that you prefer to live in a planned, a planned world, right? Like my wife, is she prefers judging. She prefers to ha have a system. She prefers to be methodical, to make short and planned term things. She, she prefers to have things decided. And she also needs to check the box. She needs closure. Whereas I am like spontaneous, casual, I'm open-ended. I adapt. I, I, I enjoy changing course, right? I like things to be loose and open. And I also like last minute pressures. I get energized by pressure. You know, so as you can imagine in a relationship, like if, if you are listening to this and you are married or maybe you're thinking about it, I highly suggest taking the assessment together, right? Because you're going to learn things about each other. And I know we had this conversation offline last week, like you're going to learn things about each other and be like, holy crap, like these aha moment, these light bulbs go off and you're like, 
wow, you're not an idiot. You just, it's just how you were wired, you know? Right. And when you can get that context, man, it, it does powerful things, not just in personal relationships, but professional relationships. Um, if you want to figure out like, Hey, what type of career route do I want to go down? This information gives you really, really good context. Yeah. If, if you're brave enough to do this with, with your spouse or, or significant <laughs> other or partner, it is, uh, it can be very eye opening, and uh, it's amazing it. when I've done this with, you know, uh, my wife, um, you know, my wife is uh, a saint because uh, she's my guinea pig at times, and I put her through a lot of these assessments, and it's amazing how uh, we are, in many of these assessments, we're the exact opposite. And to your point, it really has helped over the years to better understand each other, and we realized, all right, there's just some things we're just not going to do together ever anymore because nothing good will come out of it you know <laughs> yeah yeah and listen I'm, and it's actually for us it's actually opened up dialogue cause, exactly because normally like the way that i am if something's bothering me you can tell because i get quiet right and as an extrovert i'm naturally never quiet right so it you know so there's these things that you can realize but like we didn't know, okay, so now that I've gone to this place, now that I'm stressed and I, now that I've, you know, this inferior function is what they call it, takes over, right? Because what happens when we're stressed, we go into what's called the grip, right? It's kind of like the Snickers commercial, right? You've seen the Snickers commercial where it's like, hey, man, you're, you're not acting like yourself. Eat the Snickers and they eat the Snickers and all of a sudden they're like, oh, wow, I feel, I feel better. So what happens when our emotions get the best of us we go into what's called the grip and our inferior functions take over. So, which means literally however you're wired, it gets flip flopped on its head. So I'm naturally in, you know, an, a high extrovert. So I turn into an introvert and I also, and I also favor sensing, which is thinking about information and data. So I'm like quietly in my own head, like not letting anyone know what my emotions are doing, but my mind is racing the whole time. Yeah. And normally, Everybody knows how I'm feeling. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes so it's very, sense. very interesting, you know, when when that happens for people. So like my wife, she is more introverted naturally. When she gets stressed, she's more extroverted and she's an extroverted feeler. So she's extroverted and she's letting me know exactly how she's feeling, right? So it's very, very interesting to see the differences. And when you really take that deep dive into understanding it there's so many things that can come yeah. out of it yeah your wife and my wife sound very similar my wife uh definitely tells me what she's thinking uh, often so but to your point you know i think it's important to understand that a lot of these leadership assessments or in general assessments do help in the personal lives as well and to be honest Absolutely. you know it has certainly helped my wife and i open up dialogue helps us understand as you say how we're wired together so let me ask you this. So we talked a lot about the, the benefits of that uh, in the personal life. Why would you use it for leaders? What's the benefit of using that? Because I know you use it in some of your leadership works. So. Yeah, there are, are massive benefits. I mean, it's so beneficial that we start with intro to type in the six-month leadership program I teach every year. And the whole program jumps into type and different components of leadership. So there's actually a book. So we have a book, one called Intro to Type and Emotional Intelligence. So what it does is it, it takes your four-letter type that now you've self-assessed, you've verified, 
and it teaches you how your personality handles EQ and how to increase those EQ muscles, which is phenomenal. It also, we also have another one that's called type and in the grip. So, you know, it'll teach you all about stress and how you manage it based on your personality profile. There's also type and coaching. I mean, the list goes on. And so from a leadership capacity, when you have the self-awareness and you've been able to take an introspective look at yourself and you understand how you're wired, it 100% helps you understand how other people are wired, right? And when you can all speak this same language, we literally have the participants come in. They know nothing. And maybe they took type 20 years ago in college. They forgot about it. And they come in and, and by the end of day one, it's an eight hour session. They're all blown away. Like, wow, like, like that makes sense. Why you say like, you know, and they're having these contextual conversations. And then it really sets the bar for the rest of the six months because People's literally at the end of the program, they say, wow, you have literally changed my life. My relationships are better. I feel like a better leader. Like it, it does a lot for people. Yeah, I completely agree. And loved how you were talking about, you really have to understand who you are first, right? That's it. And then the key is then being able to adapt and flex to your employees. Understanding, That's exactly it. Right, understanding their personalities and their types. And how you need to adapt to their needs. And one one important thing that I always tell everyone, just because it's your preferred preference doesn't mean you can always operate there. Right. Uh, so like, you know, even though I, I may be a feeler like that's uh, that's my dominant. Sometimes I need to think instead of thinking about the impact on the person, I have to think about the impact on the business. Because my, like naturally my preference wants to go and say, if we get rid of Bill, like what's his family going to do? Because I care about that as naturally. But sometimes I have to shift that and flex over to the sensing side and say, well, if they're here, this could be a big impact, fi a financial loss for the business. And so you have to be flexible, right? Just like in your relationships, you have to be flexible. Even though I prefer to be spontaneous all the time, I know that it'll drive my wife nuts if I load everyone in the car and not tell her where I'm going to go. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. so you gotta be, you gotta be flexible. Now it doesn't mean I, I still don't do it. Cause I like to be squirrely and you know, I like to get a rise out of her every once in a while, but it, it gives you that it's almost like it gives you this ability to pause and think for a second, how you want to approach things which which that pause can be worth a lot yeah and you know it, it goes back to what you said before just because we're one type doesn't mean that we can't we don't have the other types in us we we have a preference uh, but we can certainly shift now it, it might be exhausting to do that but it doesn't mean that we can't do it so think about it like this a lot of speakers a lot of coaches a lot of actors and celebrities they're introverted mm -hmm. and so when they're done on set for the day they're going into that trailer and they don't want to talk to anybody because they get their energy from the internal world when i'm done i'm ready to go hang out afterwards i'm ready right because i that's where i get my energy but i have colleagues that literally they just want to crawl in the fetal position and not talk to a single human until the next day right yeah. so again it's about self-awareness it's about knowing how you operate but it's also about flexing because again like i said everybody does introverted and extroverted things we just don't do them with equal ease right and there are some people that are more what are called ambiverts right that are like a combination and all that means is that they're right down in the middle when it comes to 
to the extroversion and introversion, right? There's something called a preference clarity index, okay? And this index actually looks at your four letters types and how you responded to the questions on the assessment. And it tells you where you responded and, and how much clarity you had. Right. So like for me, my extroversion, the clarity is all the way on the E end. There, there's no opportunity for the I to get in there. So for me to switch it to the other side, it just takes a lot more work for me. It doesn't mean that I can't do it. It just means that it's not going to be easy. Right. And it doesn't happen overnight either. I mean, it, That's takes, exactly it. it takes time, you know, to evolve and get comfortable it takes a lot with of time. it. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you walking us through that. And I think it's really important for my listeners to understand how valuable these assessments are, particularly for leading teams. Because as you said, Jordan, you really have to understand who you are and, and understand the advantage of really flexing to your employees. And once you do that, you really can have better success with what you're trying to achieve, whatever the goals are or the results are. So one more question for you. Thinking back to the first team you ever took over, what do you wish you knew then that you know now? Oh, I, I wish I knew psychological type, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> uh, because I I didn't know back then because it would have been a lot easier to manage and lead that team, right? If I if I could understand how I was wired, it would have been a lot easier. I would have made a lot less mistakes that that I made if I would have understood myself, right? Because again, it goes back to self awareness. Uh, like in any, I don't care what type of work you're in, if you understand how you're wired, it's a lot easier to start to see things in other people and it helps you be able to manage them, right? It, it gives you that, okay, listen, all right, so I know they're more extroverted. So if it comes to outreach marketing, I'm going to send them to go because I know if I send Jane, who's an introvert, she's going to sit in her car the whole time, right? So, you know, like it would have been nice to, to know that. Mm -hmm. So going back to that, what advice can you give to the listeners in terms of if they wanted to you know, take the MBTI assessment or something similar, what guidance can you give them? Like, what are some of the watch outs to be aware of? So I would be, I would be um, really on the lookout for uh, just the ones that pop up on the internet, you know, cause listen, you could type in personality assessment and you're going to get Google will provide you this massive list and um, they're going to, they'll probably end up being close because they use a lot of the, the same formulas, but there's just not as much data that has gone into those assessments. So if it's free, like free doesn't always mean good is, is kind of the advice that I give people. Um, and so the, the Myers-Briggs assessment, it isn't, it's not free, but it's also not that expensive. It's like less than $40 for just the assessment, but I don't really encourage that people get the assessment and then try to like look over the information themselves. You have to get someone that's certified that can actually walk you through, that can break it, break it down. And that also enables you to self verify. Cause that's, that's the whole key as a certified practitioner. Like I, I have to let people self verify first before I can even hand them their results. Right. Um, and that's one of the rules that we, that we have to follow. Yeah, and I think that's great advice, right? Because with some of these assessments, uh, a lot of times, you know, people just take them or organizations provide it to them and there's really no in-depth discussion or, you know, certified Or debrief. There's no debrief, exactly. right? And so you're reading this thing and you're like, this is great. And then you put it in a drawer and then you never use it again. Right, you know? now what? Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's excellent advice, you know, because you really need somebody like yourself to really help them connect all the dots. 
That's exactly it. Because listen, uh, this, this journey, it's a journey, right? This is a lifelong journey of self-discovery. I mean, there's literally people that uh, when I, when I was getting certified, there's literally a story that I heard of a lady that took the assessment back uh, in the eighties. Okay. When she was in college and she took that information to heart and she lived that life for 20 years and then took it again in real with a trained professional and realized that she was basically living a life that wasn't her. I mean, like just imagine how crazy that would be that, you know, you took it and you took it for face value and you never did any other digging. And then you literally modeled this human that you actually aren't for years. And so I always tell people, listen, it, you may not in the first couple days, even figure out which one you are. And that's fine. Like take as much time as you need. What's important is that you have self-verified. That's the important thing. Right. Well, and you bring up another good point too around, you know, even, and this is the challenge with, with training in itself. And it's, it's a pet peeve of mine, you know, the flavor of the month, flavor of the year type of thing. And a lot of people do take it, even if they go through the right steps, they have somebody debrief it with them and then it just collects dust, right? So what advice or guidance, best practices can you give to help sustain it and continue to pull it through? Is there anything that people can do moving yeah, forward? Yeah, I would say find find a coach, right? Find Because when I work with clients, if, if, if a client comes to me and they, they want to take that introspective look and that dive, it's not a one and done for me. Like I want to work with them for at least six months because I want to be there to, on that journey. They, you need an accountability partner. You need someone that you can bounce ideas off of and say, Hey, you know what? Like today I experienced this, you know, how would you have handled that situation? Right. And you can give people good clarity and context and feedback. Feedback is huge. Right. And, you know, in, when it comes to, to feedback, one of the other things that I work with people on is the SBI model for feedback, which is, you know, situation, behavior and impact. So I'll actually work with my you know, clients to take the assessment and I'll help them use the SBI model in those conversations with people to to gain to gain that better clarity. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, Jordan, how can my listeners learn more about you? I'm all over social media. So if you all are on LinkedIn, you can find me there, Jordan J. Mendoza. Uh, Instagram is uh, at Jordan J. Mendoza, same as on Twitter. Um, so you can pretty much find me anywhere. I love to connect with people. If there's any questions that I can ever answer, if I can add value to anyone that's listening, um, I'm sure that Rob will put my info in the show notes and and feel free to reach out. Yeah, we'll put all your information in the show notes. And again, for my listeners, Please feel free to check out Jordan's podcast, Blaze Your Own Trail. Appreciate you coming on and stay safe and be well. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks so much for listening in today. If you're interested in learning more about the show or how we can assist you through my leadership consulting company, then please visit my website at leadershipjamsession.com.